0: Hey, Cosmic Kitty Cats. Welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I am one of your hosts, Angel.
1: I'm your other host, Brandon, and this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all
0: makes sense. Because the longer we exist on this earthly plane, the more we realize that none of it actually does make sense what is
1: sense anyways right just like the ego's desire to try to place a container on something that refuses to fit neatly inside a box
0: yeah and like why am i always being like forced to go along with common sense yeah i don't want to be common no i want to be uncommon yeah what the fuck i know we're being gaslit i mean always <laughs> Who are you?
1: I'm Brandon Alter. I am a queer as fuck, non-binary, spiritual healer. I'm a tarot reader. I'm an astrologer. I'm also a writer and a performer. And I am your husband. You
0: are. And who are you? For better or worse. Only better. In sickness and in health. Radiant health only. Till common sense does us part. Well, we've never had any of that. So (laughs) we're here forever. (laughs) I am Angel Lopez. I am a writer. I'm a film producer. I am also an astrologer and a healer, queeler, metaphysics idea dealer. Mm, A dealer. Yep. I like that. I'm dealing metaphysical ideas.
1: I like the idea that healers fall into the same category as like drug dealers. That it's like kind of illicit. It happens in like back rooms, in the shadows. You never like quite know if you're like going to be able to pin them down, you know, like your drug dealer back in the day. You're like, are they going
0: to pick up? Will they have the stuff? I wouldn't know because I have never done drugs. Like I'm glad that
1: spiritual healing is a little bit more mainstream because it means that it's more accessible to a lot of people. But I do think that we've lost a little bit of some of the like magic in the kind of like homogenization and the Instagramification of healer culture, you know? Yeah, I get that. And that there's a lot of like posturing and spiritual materialism when like sometimes the best healing you could get, like when we were in Chile and we got Mm -hmm. that amazing healing from that woman, Karen, who lived on the edge of the desert, didn't have a website, didn't have a calling card, just had to know somebody you didn't even know if you were going to be able to see her like she confirmed with us like an hour before and we had to like gather up our whole lives, find like an unmarked taxi cab and make our way out to her. Like that's what a healing is supposed to be like. It's not necessarily something you should just be able to like schedule on acuity, you know.
0: Well... And yet that's our whole business. <laughs> uh... I know. But I still like to think of us as living on the edge of the desert. Uh, I guess of the social media desert. <laughs> yeah, totally. As far as healers go, but no, I agree with you. I do think there is like a a loss in the magic around it because it has become such a I don't know. It's become like the words coming to mind are like broadly thin. Hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say performative. Yeah. Yeah, and I find that, like, when it just becomes, like, it, it's almost, like, ceases being a language, and I'm even just, like, thinking of astrology. Like, it's, like, with all of this, like, social media takeover around it, it's, like, it has, like, ceased to be a language, and it's just become words. Yeah, there's,
1: like, buzzwords.
0: Yeah. I know. The
1: same with the tarot. You know, like, people don't actually understand the depth and the breadth of it, and then they just, like, apply it
0: to everything. But I wonder if there's a way to get it back. Um, but I also think I guess you have to just like find the right pockets of it, right? And there was a time when all of these occult practices were in the shadows, were hidden. You know, there were like hundreds of years really at, like, you know, when Catholicism really overtook society and culture. Yeah. And all of these like original practices were demonized. Well, yeah, you'd be killed. And hid. You'd be
1: killed if they found out.
0: They'd call you a witch and they'd burn you at the stake. So not that we necessarily want to go back to that place. No. And look, at the end of the day, a lot of people still perceive tarot, astrology, speaking about spirits as devil worship or what have you. So it's all like still in there. I don't know them. I don't
1: know those people. (laughs) Okay, but on the other side of the coin, back in the old days, in like more indigenous cultures, and I know this primarily like in South America, if you were the village shaman, and you were unable to actually provide adequate healing, you were also killed.
0: Right, right.
1: Like you had to actually show up, you had to have the goods, you know, which I think is really important. And if you had the goods, then you didn't care if you had to like, wait an hour and a half. You know, like if you're, if the shaman was running late, you know, it's something that I'm constantly negotiating with myself because my Capricorn moon wants to be like very professional and like very punctual and effective. But sometimes when I'm like opening up the space and generating power and calling in the spirits, like I'm not always ready on time. And so I'm actually like wanting to give myself permission to like be running a little late and just like let the client sit there with themselves. Like that's maybe part of the healing too until it's actually like Time to begin whatever sort of thing is going to transpire.
0: Right, right.
1: And this work, too. I mean, I'm just like on this little soapbox because we're talking about like trying to make sense of things, but like healing doesn't necessarily make sense. It happens outside of time. And there's a story that uh, one of my teachers tells, which I love so much, which is that she had a client that she was doing a remote session on. And they agreed that it was going to happen at like 5.30 p.m. And so the client was like, okay, like at that time, I'll lay down in my room and I'll just know the work is being done. So my teacher was stuck in traffic and didn't get home until 6.30. But the client sent her an email that said, that was amazing. I felt so much power in that session. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, there's a lot of ways you can interpret this story, but what my teacher did upon reading that email was think oh okay cool i obviously outside of time did a very good job like the work will be done by me i just haven't plugged in and done it yet just like a non-linear approach to time which i think makes a lot of sense and even when i have clients sometimes i can feel the night before if i have dreams or even that day oh this is going to be a big healing i can already feel the power of it then other times i'm like okay this is just you know this is just like a routine checkup just gonna clear the pipes you know so i just think leaning into that mystery and not expecting all of this stuff to make sense actually opens us up to a deeper richer understanding
0: yeah
1: and i promise that's the only soapbox i'll get on today no that's fine that that was it I don't mind. I've just burned it to the ground. The soapbox has been burned. There
0: was no actual
1: soapbox. What do you think is the contemporary soapbox? Like the Amazon box? I'll get off the Amazon box. (laughs) Because like we ain't buying, like we ain't like soapboxes, you know, because like that like soap came in boxes and like you had it on the street so you could just like stand on the soapbox, you know?
0: Right. Yeah, I guess that would be. Or just like the stoop comparable. I'll get down off the stoop now. Yeah, who knows? I mean, it's all virtual these days anyway. Yeah. What a mess.
1: <laughs> Should we check in? Sure. Why don't you tell me why don't you tell me what you're checking in around these days? What are you been thinking about? What's been
0: happening? Well, first I just wanna clue everyone into uh what we'll be discussing later today in this episode, which is the eighth house of astrology. We're continuing our whole series our astrology untucked yes so we're going deep into one of the most secretive and mysterious of
1: houses yeah I think the eighth house really challenges people understandably so because it's kind of a house in the shadows so we are gonna do our best to not demystify it because it's always gonna be mystical but at least help you work with it
0: exactly um, but right now for me Mm -hmm. um i mean i'm mostly i think in a bit of a uh a healing space a physical healing space i feel like i'm also healing some of my connections and just like doing a lot of uh i don't know a lot of spending time with folks which has been nice um, and then I also feel like I've been focusing a little bit on just like healing my relationship with my past and my family, which is definitely indicated by the Venus retrograde, which uh, we'll talk about in an Astro update shortly. um but that has uh, Venus has been in Leo and it just ticked back. Um, in Leo, which is all my fourth house, which is that house of home, family, the past. And so my mom, who's been dealing off and on with cancer for, God, like, I want to say, I mean, since before we were together, like, it's been probably 15 years now. um, And she has had um some tumors reemerge. They uh, it, they've been there for a couple years now, but they've just now started to grow, so she had to begin a chemo treatment this past week. Which, you know, obviously put us all on edge, us all being my, me and my sisters. But um you know, thankfully she had her first treatment and she responded relatively well to it i mean as well as you can but you know we were very concerned because she had tried like a chemo pill um a couple months back and it made her incredibly sick um she like ended up in the hospital it was very intense but thankfully this has um, been treating her better we also think maybe she was just like on some other medications at that time that she has since stopped that were making it challenging but Obviously, I mean I'm just like thrusting us into a conversation about cancer, so forgive me. <laughs> Didn't really like lube anyone up properly for that. But you uh, your delayed trigger warning. I know, but you know, I um I find that I uh have felt challenged in these check-ins to like speak in like real heavy details. I feel like I speak a lot in sort of the metaphors for what I'm experiencing. So I'm trying to be a, a little even more like just transparent with the details of what's going on. Um, And so there you have it. There are some details. But, you know, it's actually like pushed uh, my sisters and I closer together. And that's been like a real active process for us. Um, You know, not that we weren't close or, you know, didn't love each other because we do but i think you know we are we are not of the ilk who are like you know chatting with their siblings every single day you know i know some people do have that familial uh relationship and we just don't but you know we will text with each other and what have you but it's just like pushed us closer together i think in a deeper way and uh i'm hoping that that is what will be like the gift of this process along with just like just some healing from my mom, so that she can continue to live a life, and I think she's realized for herself like why she wants to be here and what she wants to be here for, so I'm really like hopeful I was not for a while there, but I am now hopeful again that we will uh move through this, but you know it has me I think just on some level. Like I said, um, trying to engage a deeper relationship with my own past, my own history, and my own physical healing. Um, doing some physical therapy work, just really like trying to understand the very challenging relationship I have had with my body and how to move forward with it in a way that feels really loving and um, and caregiving for myself while still having fun but yeah I really want to do like an ancestry.com I'm trying to decide if I should do the 23 and me or the ancestry but I'm super interested in um, just getting some more details on specifically just like my Mexican lineage because I don't quite have a pinpoint of like where and pretty much all of those people are now gone from my life so yeah bitch, it's Venus retrograde in your fourth house do the ancestry.com yeah so don't do the 23 I
1: don't think I don't know maybe maybe I'm wrong but I feel like the 23 in me isn't as good as the ancestry.com yeah
0: I just don't know so I've been asking you know I've I've talked to people who have both and people like both so I guess I'm just like now crowdsourcing so if anyone has any suggestions let me know. I wish I was just famous so I could go on that show and have that dude like just tell me all about it, but I'm not so
1: well, I just want to say it's always like really frustrating for me during these check-ins when you like speak in like veiled terms because I know you're trying to like protect your privacy. But I also think sometimes it's easier just to like come out with the truth of what's going on. And that's what people come here for. So I'm really proud of you, honestly, for just letting down the walls a little bit.
0: Thank you, letting people in. I'm sorry I've frustrated you for five years. I wish you'd told me I would have started sooner. (laughs) (laughs) I have told you. But, you know,
1: that's our dynamic. Because sometimes I'm oversharing and you're like, we can't say that, Brandon. And I'm like, are you sure? And you're like, yeah, you're usually right. So, (laughs) Okay, so continuing with the cancer trigger warning, just because this has been part of my realm these days as well. So my cousin, whom I love very much feels more like a brother than a cousin to me. He's younger than me by about six months. My mom's late sister's son, he's been battling cancer for like the last two years. Honestly, it was like around the time that my mom really started to decline that he was diagnosed with colon and liver cancer. And he has basically been in and out of the hospital for the last month. And it's just been fucking brutal on him, especially, but also just the whole family. And I went to see him a week or two ago, and he is in such good spirits, but he is so sick, and he has a long road ahead of him. And as of the moment of me talking about this, um, he is on an upswing, which is amazing, and I've been sending him healing, and I've had my whole shamanic training group be sending him healing, and we've really been working that. I know my mom's been working on the other side of things. uh, But what it has endowed in me and that's really why i'm talking about it is a desire to just like really be living and enjoying and i called angel right after i saw my cousin and i said to angel i said we have no problems we have no problems like in the face of this like seeing what he's going through we have absolutely not one single problem and i'm not trying to diminish That we all have things that we have to deal with, but just a perspective, you know, like when you have your health, when you have the ability to like put food in your body and get a good night's sleep, what you have is a recipe to enjoy. And so I've really been trying to just enjoy my life and to see the people that I love and to make the most of it and celebrate like myself and my body and my opportunity to be on this planet at this time. Because nothing is promised and you just never know. So my cousin has been teaching me in a really major way and maybe through him, through me, y'all might spend this Leo season just trying to enjoy and celebrate the fact that you are alive. And yes, like the world is on fire and it's falling apart, maybe falling apart back together, but it's always on fire and it's always falling apart. And that's not a reason not to try to Just like absorb as much joy as you possibly can. So in that vein, maybe we've talked about it, but we have become fully obsessed with the bunnies that live right around our house. There's like just a whole family of bunnies and they come out in the morning and especially around sunset because that's when there's shade in the front yard and they just eat the grass and they're so fucking cute and last night one was just like fully like splayed out. Like Angel was almost afraid it was dead because it just like <laughs> was barely moving. But then it was like splayed out and then also simultaneously eating grass. Yeah. And I just love those bunnies. And I want them I want them to be my friend. But whenever I try to get close, they
0: run away. I told you you just gotta sit out there with a carrot in your hand. Really? You think that'll do it? <laughs> I don't know.
1: I mean, we've been giving them carrots. We like chopped up carrots and we like spread them out in the front yard and mostly the squirrels ate them, which is fine. I mean, we're here for the squirrels, too. They're also adorable. Yes. But I just want those bunnies to get what they need, you know. But we have this birdbath, which the squirrels can get into because, you know, those squirrels, where can't they go? Uh, But the bunnies I felt badly for. So I just like got a little bowl of water that I put underneath the birdbath as well. And then the bunny started drinking out of it.
0: I know that was very cute. I know on my walk this morning i walked by a house that had uh they clearly are um a house for the squirrels cuz they had just like sp- there was just uh like nuts and stuff like just like laid all out on their uh front like walkway and oh then there was gosh. like a bowl of water oh at the uh, at the end of it and there was a tiny a, a little squirrel with his, like, paws up on the bowl, like, lick, like just, like, drinking water. It was the cutest Oh, my gosh. Thing. It was Where like was this? Just at the end of the of the oh, street. It was very funny, though. So cute. I was cracking up watching them.
1: Cause has been fucking hot. I worry about all these animals. So I'm glad they're doing okay. It's insanely hot.
0: I mean, I was walking at, like, 830 this morning, and it was like it felt like it was 90 degrees out. Okay. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, it probably was. I hate summer. Angel hates it. I love it so much. I hate it so
1: much. I love it. Oh my god! I love the dry heat. I don't mind how hot it is if it's dry because it hasn't been more... that humid.
0: Uh, why though? Just why? feels like the air, be... it feels like
1: the air hugs you, and I love that you can like wear very little clothes. It hugs I feel you. like
0: free. It feels like it's like cutting me. Oh, well. it feels like it's trying to strangle me.
1: Oh, see, I don't feel that way. Got to soften your boundaries a little bit. Got to let it in.
0: No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't want to let the 95 degree weather in to my being.
1: I don't know. Like when I go outside in the morning with my little Nespresso and I sit in the yard and it's warm. I just feel like I feel hugged by the day.
0: Girl, you are sitting in the shade. Yes, I am sitting in the shade. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Being out in the sun. Well, did you wear a hat? Trying to get shit done. Yes.
1: Are you wearing sunscreen? Are you reapplying every 90 minutes to no, two hours? No, because
0: who can do that?
1: You know what, you guys? We all have to be reapplying.
0: <laughs> it's so much. I it, know. It's so much work. I know, but it loses its
1: efficacy after 90 minutes to two hours, especially at least your face, you know?
0: Well, I'd rather just have it be cloudy and wear a coat. Not
1: meager. <laughs> I mean, I love a coat, honey, but I love a crop top more all right let's move on mm. let's move on from this place all right and let's enter into this episode's cosmic, cosmic update. update you guys the notes let us not underestimate the notes So the nodes of fate, which is where the orbit of the moon around the earth and the orbit of the earth around the sun intersect. We talked about this a couple episodes ago. They shifted last week from Taurus Scorpio, where they've been into Libra Aries, where they will be for a year and a half. And I feel that energy. And a lot of people in my life, Mostly like my friends who are not that astrologically inclined, but every so often they'll be like, Brandon, what's going on? You know, they're like, help me cosmically justify why I'm having a hard time. And sometimes I can't. Sometimes just like, girl, that's you. But this week I've been like the nodes, honey, the nodes, because it's a big new energetic shift. And the thing about the nodes is they affect all of us. It's the new direction that we're all being asked to head in. And I think it was especially the last few days when the moon was in Libra, and usually moon in Libra is so like, gentle and beautifying and full of grace, and now that the south node is there, and now that it's square in Pluto and Capricorn, that Libra moon is a rough, draining place to be. The good news is, is that now Scorpio no longer has the south node, so perhaps that Scorpio moon that we get every month is going to be a little bit more enlivening.
0: So you say. A little less spiky. She's been pretty spiky today. All right, calm down.
1: (laughs) So sensitive over there. So, in any event, we already talked about this in our 2023 Astrology Episode Part 2. But I just want to reinforce that the nodes are very active. And this week especially, Pluto is squaring the nodes three times, which is the first aspect that's happening to the nodes now that they've shifted sign. And it's really giving us an understanding of that north node in Aries, that unapologetic authenticity, and that need to make up your own mind for yourself about what you want your life to be without having to crowdsource or even get anybody else's opinion. No, like, do I look okay in this? If you feel good in it, you wear it. You go out into the world. That's Aries North Node. Because that Libra South Node, that's that seductive, I need other people to approve of me. I need the unconscious or sometimes even conscious emotional manipulation of other people that if I scratch their back, they'll scratch mine. No, babies. We're all learning to scratch our own backs get some flexible shoulders, buy a back scratcher. (laughs) Do what you got to do. And so that Pluto square that happens three times, that is definitely feeling that wall, that obstacle. It might even be a person who's saying like, I don't approve of this new Aries behavior. And you got to go, I don't give a fuck. And just inquiring deeply into like why we might be so addicted to other people's validation, where we're anemic and being able to give that to ourselves. And then of course Pluto is doing this like deep transformative dance that Pluto does and saying like, how do you have to transform in order to be the person that can scratch your own back? I got on the stoop again. I'm sorry, everybody. I got on, I got on that damn stoop. Angel knew. Angel was like, there's gonna be at least one more soapbox before Uh, this episode's over, but that's what's going on with the nodes. And if things feel spiky or intense or heavy, or just a little out of control, I definitely think the node shift is, is part of that. And we're going to learn to assimilate into that energy Because, again, we're going to have it for, you know, 18 months. But, you know, first cut's the deepest.
0: Yeah, the way I've been, like, processing it is asking ourselves what is the relationship between my ego and my soul and, like, who's calling more of the shots right now and how do we better align the two so that they're working Collectively. Yeah. How do we weave them together? Yeah. Because to me, that's really the like Aries North Node, right? Aries being this very hefty ego energy, this like I am energy. But the node, that North Node energy, really being like, well, what's the soul's calling? So it feels like this grand invitation right now to like align that ego energy, that soul energy. Uh, which can be, as all nodal challenges are, very challenging, you know, because sometimes the ego is like, but I want to go this way, and the soul is like, well, unfortunately, you're meant to go this way. Yeah. And it becomes about, I don't know, at times even tricking your ego (laughs) into (laughs) understanding why that soul direction is the better direction for you. Yeah, It's about like how
1: how are we showing up for our soul's purpose, even when it's not understood by those around us and potentially because our ego is actually quite influenced by other people. There's just like a tendency. I've noticed it in myself to avoid doing the deep soul work that I know I came here to do because I don't necessarily know how I would be able to explain it to other people. And I also like have that voice speaking to me through my ego because my ego is very attached to what other people might say or how they approve and so there are other people that are in me that I'm also having to like give the middle finger to as I just focus on what I want to do (laughs) right like I will just share you know I'm really trying to like be disciplined and, and get this musical out and I went on a writing date with a friend and this friend talked to me for a very long time about what they were working on to like such an extent where like I didn't even really have enough time to work on my own thing before I like had to go. And I was like, this is literally the nodes right now. I was like, what I needed to say was like, hey, I'm so interested in all of this, but like, I, I'm actually here to write, so like, let me do that. But instead, I was like, I was being polite, you know?
0: Well, it's also writing with the Gemini.
1: Correct. <laughs> Learn that lesson. <laughs> uh, all right, what other cosmic updatery should we charlar about
0: well we did just have uh venus shift i'm your
1: venus i'm your fire your desire retrograde
0: um so yeah the venus retrograde is in effect right now um and uh it's directly in effect through september 3rd uh, but then we'll have another month of like clearing the shadow yeah so you know and clearing uh leo so you know we are just in this full venus leo energy right now which can be a great combination but i think it's just really important for everyone as i was talking earlier about my venus um, in leo trajectory in my fourth house to pay attention to what house this is happening for you um, and if you don't know obviously you can uh, ideally find ways to look it up and if not you can always just start to pay attention to, to like where in your life is like really trying to get your attention. I mean, clearly the fourth house was trying to get my attention given everything that's going on in my life. And so even just finding what area of your life wants more attention and knowing that it's gonna take that, but if you do know your fourth house, try to focus some intention and attention into that space because It really wants your heart's attention more than anything that's what uh, leo rules that heart energy that love energy so what do you need to be infusing more love into in your life right now and there's also you know brandon was talking about joy earlier and really moving into joy that's leo energy as well so how do you maybe even take like a challenging area and find ways to like bring more joy into it or recognize the joy that's available there and sometimes you have to wade through all of the like bullshit and the ego shit and the past trauma shit to actually like get to the little rainbow that's like hiding in there for you but do your best to kind of like do that it's almost like back in the day you know or those, like, Cracker Jacks or whatever. We would get, like, a Cracker Jack box and, like, kind of dig through to get the little, like, prize that's inside. God, now I feel, like, a thousand years old.
1: You are. <laughs> you are at least <laughs> 1,000 years old.
0: Well, like, at least my Saturn and Leo generation people remember that.
1: You're like Methuselah.
0: What was, what was your generation's... Uh, What's the Saturn and Scorpio generational uh, equivalent of a Cracker Jack box?
1: Edging. I'm sorry, what? Edging. Go on. <laughs> Where you bring yourself almost to orgasm and then you back off. And then you like do it a couple of times and then finally like you let yourself have an orgasm and it's much more pleasurable because you edged.
0: Yeah, I don't know if that's the <laughs> equivalent of a <laughs> Listen,
1: it's Saturn and Scorpio. It's it's what came to me. <laughs> wow.
0: Well, that existed for the Saturn and Leo generation as well, my friend. Um, then maybe y'all maybe y'all missed out and didn't have like a little special box of really, really over sugared caramel popcorn that also had a tiny little like rub on tattoo and hidden inside it.
1: You know, I think like there were a bunch of cereal boxes that like did the same thing. Like Cracker Jacks was probably like the first and then it just got like, was a good idea. And then like just like cereal companies stole it. Cause I remember there like being like prizes in cereal. Yeah, for sure. So I guess that was, I guess that was my, my Cracker
0: Jack box. Well, great. So there you have it. That's what you're looking for. The prize at the bottom of your cereal box The orgasm at the end of your 14 hour edging session.
1: Wow. I mean, that's who has time for that?
0: Hey, if it's a day off. Okay, the last thing we should talk about
1: is that full moon in Aquarius because she's coming up and she is fuerte. So, this full moon answers to Saturn because it's Aquarius ruled by the planet Saturn. Saturn's in Pisces, which is a gentler, a softer, almost a dreamier Saturn. Wait, and did you say it was August 1st? I didn't. I said it was coming up.
0: I just want everyone to know. It's August
1: 1st. There you go, babies. And in this chart, Saturn is opposed by Mercury. So what I like about this opposition, even though oppositions can be challenging, but Angel always says it's really an invitation into integration, integrating two parts of yourself that don't necessarily have a shared language.
0: I do always say that. You say it all the time. It's basically your catchphrase. Until somebody else starts saying it is more popular, and then it becomes theirs. Oh, well, you can't control that. (laughs) All right, so Mercury
1: in Virgo is really (laughs) paying attention to the details, right? Mercury loves to be in Virgo, very well resourced there, has a to-do list, is in the process. Virgo is a process-oriented sign, understands that, like, some things have to be done before other things can be done. But Saturn in Pisces is helping us understand the work of the bigger picture, the work of the soul. Saturn in Pisces is trying to help us not miss the forest for the trees. And so, this opposition is how we integrate the details because the devil's in the details and we need to pay attention to them, but not in such a way that we lose our heart's connection to what it is that we're doing. And so, the full moon, because it's in Aquarius, is going to help us release. In some way, and also it's going to illuminate perhaps some partnership that's available and how we can integrate these two uh, entities. And the good news is is that like Saturn and, and Mercury, they do pretty well together. I mean, Mercury basically does well with everybody because they're a trickster and they're charming and they kind of speak all the languages that can be spoken. But I think Mercury actually needs a little bit of what Saturn has to give and maybe can hear it in a way that ordinarily they can't because Saturn in Pisces does have a softer touch. Saturn in Pisces is a little bit more compassionate than Saturn in other signs, especially Saturn in Capricorn and Aquarius, not the most compassionate Saturn. And so there's also this Venus-Uranus square, which is like fun chaos. And so there's just like, there is drama, With this full moon, because it's Leo, but because it's Aquarius, it's maybe not as emotional as other full moons, because the Aquarius moon is historically unemotional, they're able to kind of pull out, that's actually their, their gift is an understanding, and a bit of like an outsider status, so just be aware, August 1st, I think there, there are some messages coming through, and they're not necessarily going to be verbal. Uh, because Saturn in Pisces, it doesn't use words, uses music, uses images, uses symbols. And that will kind of help that Mercury in Virgo journey. And will also help the Sun in Leo, Moon in Aquarius stuff that's happening as well.
0: Yeah, I would say too, just to add on to that, um, given all the Leo energy that's there. And then also given this Aries energy that we talked about with the node, but also we have Chiron um Who's also entered a retrograde phase in Aries as well. Um, try your best not to take anyone else's shit too personally, because it becomes really easy with all of this layer. Uh, Larry, I was gonna call it Larry's energy. <laughs> oh, Larry's energy. Leo Aries. Yeah, Larry's energy is the rough. <laughs> Can't help it. He's he's got been
1: through a lot. Yeah. Larry. That past life drama.
0: Um, but yeah, Larry's Leo and Aries energy can (laughs) take you to this kind of like, but why are you doing that to me place? Um, or why are you putting that on me place? And you know, yes, everything that uh does happen in front of us can sometimes feel or sometimes even just be a reflection of something that's going on. Um, but it's important not to internalize other people's stuff too much observe it process it if necessary and then allow it to help you heal something within yourself yeah don't put your shit on me full moon no I'm not your bitch thank you
1: let's move into this episode's deep Deep dive deep dive She's spooky.
0: She's sexy.
1: She's shadowy.
0: She's witchy. She might put you in debt. She might take all your money in a divorce. She's the eighth house.
1: And we're here to understand her more
0: deeply. So tell us about the eighth house.
1: All right, so check it out. Remember that the house is They build on each other they don't exist in a vacuum they relate to each other so last time we were here in our astrology untucked interior illusions lounge we talked about the seventh house now the seventh house is an angular house that opposes the first house right so the first house is me the seventh house is you the second house if we go back quite a ways the second house is what belongs to me right first house is me second house is my possessions so the seventh house is you, and the eighth house is your possessions. But it's how your possessions affect me. So the eighth house is also one of those succeedent houses, right? It's not angular. It doesn't make any angles to the first house, so it's a little bit hidden. And so it's in some ways like what is falling away from the descendant, and the things that fall away from the descendant are the things that maybe are on loan to us. So debt, but also like our bodies, our life, right? The eighth house is, tra- is classically a house of death. And so it's understanding that there are these like impermanent things that don't belong to us, but that we do get to have a relationship with. It also deepens the relationships that happen in the seventh. So it's the house of marriage. It's the house of commitment. And it's also like the house of shared resources as well. So that includes inheritances. Like, the inheritance doesn't belong to you. It belongs to somebody else until all of a sudden it does. Now it's yours. So the Eighth House also explores those ideas. I think one of the reasons why the Eighth House has a reputation of being quite a shadowy place, or as it's classically known, which I think is interesting, the idle place, is because if you think about where the sun is in the sky in the Eighth House— It's not sunset, but it's like, it's like that time of day when really all you want to do is take a nap, you know, or that's when you like have the second caffeine boost. That's usually a mistake, you know, but like nobody's doing great work like an hour before the end of the workday. Like (laughs) you're just like, you're, you're just watching the clock. Like you're done for the day. And so the eighth house kind of has a little bit of that energy too. Um... But then, of course, there are the associations with it, like Angel was talking about, like, what is hidden? And and the hidden nature of the eighth house, I think, is because it doesn't make any direct aspects to the Ascendant. Like, you don't see it at first. You have to get deep into it. So people that have eighth house placements oftentimes are really good at feeling in the dark, at attuning to what's underneath the, the surface of things. And because the eighth house is classically associated with death— I think mediumship is also something that shows up in the eighth house, and there can be arguments about like what occult practices fall into the eighth and the ninth and the twelfth because they don't all necessarily fall into the eighth, but certainly if you're working with death, if you're working with like spirits of the deceased, psychopomp, things of that nature, you're definitely in the eighth house
0: and I think you know traditionally, as I learned it in the beginning of my astrology life you know it was always called like the house of sex death and taxes and rock and roll (laughs) yeah so you know and and it was really all of these like very like kind of deep intense practices you know and like experiences that occur yeah um and for me like the way i've like learned to process and understand it is like very much about it being connected to all the things we're not supposed to talk about. We're not supposed to talk about sex? Yeah. Like, we're not supposed to talk about sex. And I actually like it even more distinctly defined as things we're not supposed to talk about at a dinner party. Mm. You know, like, we're not supposed to sit down and be like, so tell me about your sex life or tell me about your experiences with death or your feelings on death. How is What's your tax? You know, how much did you pay in taxes? What's in your bank account? You know, like, do you and your like spouse share bank accounts, you know, like these are just things you're not really supposed to talk talk about. about. Yeah.
1: But they're the things that you actually only want to talk about and that you usually talk about with your close friends about other people. Did you hear what so-and-so did in the bedroom? Did you hear about so-and-so are spending their money on? Did you hear what happened to so-and-so? Right? Like it's, it's the hidden underneath, you know, like there's something about the eighth house that is like the really, like rich juicy underbelly which also maybe connects it to like psychology as well
0: Mm -hmm. yeah because it does represent psychology and so it's like it's almost like those are the partnerships then right it's like it's what your therapist knows it's what your accountant knows it's what your you know your partner you know your intimate partner knows about you yeah. in the bedroom it's it's those really intimate relationships like the 7th house is like oh i'm going to partner with you i'm going to partner with you i'm going to partner with you and then you move into the 8th house together and it's like oh bitch we have to open up a bank account together correct and like oh you have that debt oh you're bringing that debt oh you're bringing that you know like you just start to like understand and deepen so anyone who has anything in the 8th house Whether you like it or not, you are someone who is asked to be more comfortable in those spaces. And depending on what planets you have in there, um, you're asked to engage with these just more intense, underbelly aspects of, of life.
1: Yeah. But I will say, you know, the eighth house does make a sextile a superior sextile to the 10th house. So what happens in the eighth house does actually find the light of day and it does affect what goes on in your career and in, in status and like in the world in a way that like the 12th house doesn't really and the sixth house doesn't really.
0: Yeah, I never thought of that.
1: I also just would like to have an eighth house dinner party where we only talk about sex stuff. <laughs> and (laughs) other people's money. That sounds really fun to me. (laughs) And if you have a lot of planets in the eighth house, you are probably one of those people that despises small talk and only wants to talk about this sort of shit.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think we should go through the planets in there later and just kind of like talk about that because I think that that definitely is like a piece of it. But yeah, I think it's like, it's an interesting place, especially if you don't have any planets in there. When you experience a transit through there, you may find yourself having to like... Plunge. Yeah, you're suddenly confronted with some sort of like bank account issue or an inheritance or sexuality issues that you weren't even aware existed because it is all under the surface. And it's interesting because it is a house that's technically above the horizon line, right? It's like in the upper half which tends to make it much more about like being out in the world and being in connection and it is because you are engaging with other people yet it is about these things that you may want private and i find the eighth house interesting because it is this like it can feel very isolating the eighth house um but the pressure there is to become less isolated in those areas? You know, like how do you allow yourself to feel less isolated when it comes to sex, less isolated when it comes to death, to money, to intimacy?
1: Totally. And I think it stands to differentiate that like the eighth house are the things you're actually going to inherit, whereas the fourth house is like the whole reservoir of possibility. Like, you have a huge amount of ancestors, but not every trait is going to be passed down to you. And that's the difference between the fourth house and the eighth house. The eighth house is what you actually stand to inherit. And I also do think, and maybe we'll get into this when we talk about the specific planets, but it's also, if you have a partner, going to indicate their experiences. Because remember, like, the seventh house is what you're attracted to and can also like represent your partner as well. And so the 8th house represents your partner's relationship to these things. So like for example, if you have Jupiter in the 8th house, it could be that like your partner inherits a lot of money, you know? And you don't, but it's also your partner, so then you get the benefit of that to some extent or the complications in relationship to that.
0: Another aspect of the 8th house that I think is worth bringing up is That it uh, traditionally like rules like compulsion, like addiction on some levels. Mm -hmm. Um, I know it shares that with the 12th house to some degree, but... Totally. um, It can be a very like addictive, compulsive place. You can then think about those buzzwords we talked about, money, sex. You know, these are things that can become addictive... Places And I would even say, like, magic, death. Yeah. We can become very... Addicted to the shadow. Addicted to... Yeah, and addicted to even just, like, thinking about it, right? Like, that's the interesting, like, uh, intersection of death and psychology, you know? That, like, if we don't deal with some of our maybe smaller fears that they can then grow into these larger realms of anxiety around like just death in general.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: So I think because
1: we're over halfway with this series, we can kind of like weave in a slightly more advanced way to approach these houses. And regardless of whether or not you have planets in the eighth house, what sign rules it? And then who is the ruling planet of that sign? And that will help you understand how and where this house is playing in your life. So, Angel, who rules your eighth house? Uh,
0: Jupiter rules my eighth house. Because it's
1: Sagittarius? hmm Got it. And where is your Jupiter natally? In the first house. Oh, got it. So, I would say, does your partner help you through these subjects? No. Shine more
0: deeply and take up more space? No, my partner is very unhelpful. Trash, garbage. Generally speaking. Yeah, I hear that. I'm so sorry for you. I know that's such a challenge. Yeah.
1: Okay, cool. Well, that didn't work, (laughs) but maybe
0: it'll work for you.
1: Because the ruling planet and where they are gives you a sense of like the style, you know, the style of of eighth housery that's going to be happening there
0: <laughs> my partner is very helpful in helping me to navigate those eighth house worlds
1: yeah bitch everybody knows it it's actually what we were talking about earlier where i was like angel frustrates me when in the check-ins angel like puts up this veil and doesn't like speak about what's going on and I'm helping you to, like, remove that, to like, feel more free with the details and just, like, talking about what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. It's very 8th house. Mm-hmm. Or as I overshare, because I have so many things happening in my 8th house that I'm just like, why bother? Right. Why no, bother totally. obscure? So what rules
0: your 8th house?
1: Uh, well, it's Scorpio. My 8th house is Scorpio. So it's Mars, who's also in the 1st house for me in Aries. Um And so the inverse would be, would be true too, that you also are helping me with my eighth house stuff. And it's true that like through partnership, I've been able to explore not just my sexuality, but also like my gender identity safely. I've been able to like become more responsible financially because I've had to like share with you what's actually happening with finances. I can't like just buy things in secret anymore and just like, you know, try as they will try as I might. Um, and obviously taxes, you know, we're married, and we file together. And that's like a whole that's like a whole thing,
0: yeah? Yeah,
1: I know All right. well, let's take the planets through the eighth house. So if you have sun in the eighth house, you are a dark and stormy motherfucker. But what I mean by that is that you <laughs> Wait, have what? this like intensity. You have this like ability to shine light into dark places. And you are not afraid of the underbelly.
0: Yeah, a killer psychologist, a killer detective, a killer caretaker. Yeah, a, de- a killer, a death doula. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Perhaps just a killer.
1: Actually, not true. You know that like the most uh, serial killers are mutable signs. Actually, very few, oh, very yeah. few um, serial killers are Scorpios. Actually. There, yes. there, are usually Gemini's, Virgos, Pisces, or Sagittarians. Sorry to my mutable babies.
0: <laughs> to align you with, yeah, the darkness. Yeah,
1: I mean there are serial killers of all signs, but this their studies have been done, in like b- far and away the mutable signs. And I think that's because with you know anything mutable, you are able to move your morality around in ways that is like, right, not fixed, honey.
0: Yeah, and move, like, your concept of other people's humanity and morality around, maybe. Yeah, totally. Whereas Scorpio is, like, very intensely, like, connected to, like, the depths of how people work. Yeah. And, like, has an emotional sensitivity. Oh, and that's, I think, like, a super important word to also mention with the eighth house is that it is a very sensitive house Mm -hmm. as well. So, yeah, if your son is in there. Yeah. You have a deep sensitivity See the inner workings of people.
1: Yeah, it's a very psychic house. So if you have a lot of placements in either, especially the eighth or the twelfth, maybe the fourth as well, these are planets that are psychic. You're able to like feel something intuitively um, and maybe even draw it out.
0: So you'd make a killer metaphysical ideas dealer. Correct. A
1: killer sex worker. Oh, my goddess, totally. Oh, you know, and I was thinking about this. I think the eighth house is a house of healing as well, because if it's a place where we're going into the depths and we're also transforming, right? Death is transformation. Death is not just when we leave this planet. Death is all the many ways in which we kill off aspects of ourselves as we evolve.
0: That's healing. Yeah, it's one of the like biggest spiritual houses, I'd say. And so, yeah, there is, like, a real pool of healing waters available in the 8th house.
1: All right, moon in the 8th house.
0: Girls, she is sensitive in all caps.
1: Mm-hmm. She doesn't, she doesn't let it go quickly.
0: She feels everything that's going on underneath the room. The room's tone, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. She also might keep her feelings hidden
1: to some extent.
0: Yes, private.
1: Very. Like... It's one of those people where you're like, I really never know what's going on with them, but I always feel like I've done something wrong.
0: <laughs>
1: right. Um, okay, Mercury in the Eighth?
0: Well, Mercury in the Eighth, I believe, is someone who, something you mentioned earlier about small talk, mm-hmm. does not care for small talk. No gracias. Yeah, like wants to cut to the chase, wants to get to the truth, like what's really going on, mention it all. Honey. I had an experience
1: in Trader Joe's this week that just made me crazy or I ran into a former client who's lovely, but I don't see them that often. And they were like, hi, how are you? And I was like, oh, I'm okay. You know, just like trying to make the most of the summer. And they were like, I, you know, follow you on Instagram. And I just like love seeing, you know, like all the fun you're having. I was like, well, then you you would know that it's been a pretty rough year. And they were like, right, oh, yeah, of, of, of course, you know. But but also all the fun. Here. <laughs> and I was like, no, it has not been fun. It's been really hard. Like, if you're going to come up to me, and I get it. You're, like, in the grocery store, and you're like, I don't want to, like, dredge up Brandon's sadness and grief about losing Noche and their mom. But also I'm like, if we're not going to talk about that, what are we going to talk about?
0: Right. The Barbie movie? I haven't seen it yet. But it looks like fun. I can't wait. Next week.
1: Um, Anyway, so yeah, Mercury in the eighth
0: Yeah, so there's I think just like a real strong like intensity with like thought Someone who wants to communicate on a deep level Wants to really like pull out from other people too Like what's going on with you And wants to like understand themselves through a deep communication with other people
1: Yeah, I would say like the eighth house is go hard or go hidden
0: mm, I like that Okay,
1: so Venus in the eighth means that you really value all of these themes that we're talking about, and you might even find them a little bit sexy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, so also a very good sex worker in that way. Um, But, you know, Venus in the eighth, because Venus also can rule money, might mean like one of those placements, not unlike Jupiter, where maybe your partner is going to stand to like inherit, you know, and you can kind of get a sense of like your partner's finances by also looking at their second house and their eighth house. So Venus in the eighth could imply or indicate that like, oh yeah, there is going to be money coming from, if it's in your eighth house, it means it's going to be coming from your partner. Mm -hmm. So you might marry a rich, rich lady
0: (laughs) who buys you Birkins. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. But yeah, I think um, also someone who just wants to keep like a tight circle Mm -hmm. of people, Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know, like, Can only really connect with people on, like, a really deep level, so may not have, like, a big circle of friends who they're just, like, dipping into all the time. Like, they have their tight crew who they want to see, who they want to go deep with when they see them. Mars in the 8th house. Sexual. Yeah, definitely sexual, for sure. Probing deeply through directions. Yes, also that. (laughs) Acts with intensity, acts with purpose, but also like a slow
1: burn. Like Mars in the eighth has what it takes to go the distance. So there is the ability with Mars in this house to be patient, to lay in wait, to plan. And so it's a talking about edging again. We are okay. Yeah, that's what I figured. Mars also brings a volatility to some of these themes as well so it could be that like getting your inheritance is a bit of a war or you know like so you want to be aware of what energies are there so that you can work with them and not against them you know so if you have mars in the eighth then i would advise against like unnecessary arguments or or battles Because that also indicates like your partner is going to hold on to those things.
0: Yeah. I also feel like a warrior for eighth house elements, right? Like a warrior for, you know, sexual justice, you know, (laughs) or like a warrior for death. Yeah. For like, um, for transparency around these subjects.
1: What's the, what's, what's it called when you are? able to end your own life like like they have it in Oregon, you know? Like mm-hmm. the ability
0: the to assist uh, no what is assistive. it called? I don't remember the exact. Term. Anyway,
1: um, yeah, I think Mars in the 8th house could also be like, yeah, a warrior for those sorts of of justices.
0: Right, yeah. Yeah, which are very pro. Mhm. Clearly. Jupiter in the 8th. All right, well, we talked we about this about a little it, bit. Yeah.
1: Right, yeah. So it's like big inheritance or big sexual charisma in your partner. Um, and again, like big, big inheritance for your partner, you know, um, also could be big debt, you know, it's Jupiter. So like, you really got to be careful with your spending and, you know, making sure you're getting a good interest rate. And if you got Jupiter in the eighth, I would highly advise you to pay off your credit card every month. Cause otherwise, what are you doing?
0: Yeah. Do your best to like, not be like in a space of like too much. Eighth house energy.
1: But those themes are going to follow you, you know? Because that's yeah. where you're going to be challenged to grow and break through.
0: And you can make your money through some of these eighth house modalities. 100%. You know?
1: Yeah, you could like invest, like maybe you invest for other people. Maybe you're the accountant. Maybe you just work in like the the death industry, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Phaedra Parks. Correct. Yes. A gorgeous mortician. <laughs> Don't you have Saturn in the 8th?
1: Bitch, you don't know I do, which is why I don't do debt, honey. Because Saturn in the 8th is about the work. So, you know, it's like taking responsibility for these sorts of things, you know. Um, But it's interesting because I don't do debt, but I married a partner who has student loans, which are now my student loans, right? So that shows up in my chart through this.
0: Mention it all. I mean...
1: Student loans are the fucking worst, and they should have been forgiven, but uh, (laughs) it's just part of this dumpster fire we call America. But Saturn in the 8th really takes these themes seriously, but also there can be a lot of resistance, a lot of like let me turn a blind eye at first because Saturn is fear, so there can be a lot of fear around like death and taxes and sex, and so I've found that like as I get older, what I've really had to do is just like look these things in the face, and I have to like be my own like sexual and financial mommy like there's nobody that can help me beyond me with these sorts of things i mean i i'm not gonna ever do my own taxes i'm not gonna be my own accountant because i don't have that wherewithal but i am learning to like be more um participatory in that whole process and i uh i have it in scorpio so i also never i never forget anything nope truth uranus Oranos in the eighth.
0: I mean, I think just like surprising changes in your life through sex, through death, through money, other people's money, obviously, like so sudden inheritances, sudden um sexual or gender identity revelations. Totally. Perhaps. Yeah. And then Neptune, Neptune in the eighth, definitely major mysticism for sure. Yeah. You are part of a strong mystical generation with that Neptune in the eighth, really tapping into what is your form of magic and how you can communicate that magic to help others. And then Pluto in the eighth, honey.
1: She a powerhouse. Yeah. And it's understanding that the reason why we don't talk about these things, we're indoctrinated to not talk about these things, is because the powers that be are afraid of the power held in these subjects. And Pluto knows how to unleash the power from sex, from death, from money. And in some ways, sex and death and money are all the same thing, right? They're all a currency, They're all an energetic exchange and they transform us, right? Like sex transforms, death transforms, and money transforms. Mm -hmm. And Pluto as the transformer can teach us the underlying nature of these exchanges.
0: Yeah. Well, in real power, you know, power struggles in those places. But yeah, really learning like who you are at the deepest core of you. And having to work really hard to not let the uh darkness overwhelm you. For some reason I'm thinking of like wicked, <laughs> like alphabet. And how like just like wicked um is a good representation of like a Pluto in the eighth house story.
1: No good deed <laughs>
0: goes unpunished is that what you were thinking no because it basically (laughs) because it basically takes this like really intense traditionally maligned character maligned character and and redeems her gives gives us the psychology gives
1: us the heart so that we understand her and then celebrate her
0: yes exactly
1: Sorry, I got excited. because No, I that exactly. Was really, that was really... Even
0: I'm um, like, you can think of like Maleficent, right? Totally. And, like, who, who would be a very like Pluto in the eighth house character oh God, if, yeah. like taken all the darkness. But then you have Angelina Jolie's <laughs> version of her yeah. where you realize that like, oh, she was just kind of like. She was done wrong. Yeah, she was done wrong and she just let her anger oh. get the best of her.
1: Totally. You know, Medusa is like a classic example of that too, right? Like totally. Medusa was so wronged. I believe by Apollo. I believe she was like raped and like stranded on a fucking island. And then everyone was told that she was a bad person merely because she was a victim. But Medusa is a badass
0: sorceress. Isn't there a book of her? No, I don't think Genesis so. story? No, I don't think there is. There must be. I'm sure somebody out there can tell us what that one is. Yeah, I mean,
1: I would love to read that one.
0: Yeah, if not, it will be the next big blockbuster. <laughs> yeah, seriously, <laughs> like three years from now. Yeah. who would play Medusa in the movie of Medusa? Who would you cast? Kate Blanchett. Oh, no, no, no. That's a, I mean, she would be a fantastic Medusa. I'm sure. I was thinking more of like a Saoirse Ronan.
1: Oh, yeah. I understand. Skewing a little younger. Or share, Definitely Cher. Not the musical. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You left me on an island. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the snakes grew out of my head. I was better off dead. <laughs> they call me Medusa. <laughs> okay, you know what? I'm writing this musical, everybody. So... Watch out. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for taking this ride through the underbelly of the eighth house.
0: All right. And now it's time for our own little, our extended dip into the eighth house where we uh, consult the magic in the form of the cards and reveal a message to help all of you.
1: All right, everybody, here we go. Just take a moment, drop into your heart, get still, get centered. If it's safe for you to close your eyes, I encourage you to do that. And then you're just going to connect to the cards by listening into the sound of them being shuffled here. So we're just asking for one card, one message that will resonate no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this episode. So we are working with the ten o wands, Hanny. So you got to put some of those wands down, babe. Got to simplify. You know, we have some planets uh, giving us some good Virgo energy. We got Mars there, and Mercury's going to be there very soon, and that's an energy that helps us understand what actually needs to be tended to and what is detritus. You are doing too much. And I also think that the Ten of Wands, because if you're holding Ten Wands, you're not just holding those wands for yourself. You're obviously holding wands for other people. So it's going back to that understanding of the North Node in Aries, which is this spiritual selfishness. This how do you like truly honor yourself and your soul's purpose above all else so that you don't have to come back here and do the same soul's purpose, you know? What a, what a drag that would be. So the Ten of Wands, it's also because wands are fire, action, and energy. We're the furthest from the source. And so you might be feeling kind of drained or kind of tired, like you don't have your usual get up and go. And the reason is because you're too weighed down. You're trying to do too much, or maybe the things that you're you're doing have too much pressure on them. And it's not to not take things seriously, but sometimes we have to loosen up. We have to be a little bit more playful. It's like when we teach tarot and intuition, and we talk about how your ego wants to be right, and so you're gripping. But if you give yourself permission to not be right, to just play with your intuition, that's generally when the best things come along. So spend this next week, or until we meet again, just noticing where you're holding up more things than actually need to be held up. Where are you gripping For comfort, because you're not trusting your ability to do more with less. And also, where are you afraid to ask for help? Because tens do invite our community. And so you might need to ask for some help from other people to help you lift some of the heavy things
0: that you're being asked to carry at this time. I'm putting them down. Letting them go. I've had enough. It's about time. Thank you. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of The Spiritual Gaze. No, thank you. No, thank you. We appreciate you. You. We appreciate your love, your support. We appreciate those of you who are able to join us in our community offerings. We have more coming up next month. Um, Some changes to the community offerings platform coming up very, very soon. Yeah,
1: it rhymes with, (laughs)
0: latrion <laughs> um so yeah so that's happening um and uh yeah but um we are always grateful for you all you can always find out everything that we have going on at the spiritualgaze.com or at one of the many social media platforms tiktok instagram actually that's kind of it right now. on facebook But
1: fuck that Twitter. We ain't there no more, honey. Yeah, we're gone from Twitter. We're gone. It's a wasteland.
0: It's scorched earth. Yeah, we're not on threads yet, but maybe we will be.
1: I am personally. I'm workshopping my my book on grief on threads.
0: And I am there personally. I am workshopping my one-man musical where I'll be playing Medusa. I just put it into development. How dare you? And it's being fast-tracked. Who's writing it? Cher. Oh.
1: That bitch. (laughs) Can I consult at least?
0: (laughs) Maybe. The snakes grew out of my head. (laughs) I'm better off dead. They call me Medusa. We'll work on that lyric. So thank you all. We love you.
1: Until next time, this has been your transit through The The Spiritual spiritual game. Game. É